Listen up, assholes. It's a dirty, dirty world out there. And I'm not talking about assholes. I'm talking about germs. Yeah, COVID, bacteria, jizz. And jizz is the new germs. Look, let's face it. We don't want to touch anything these days. It's gross. So be sure to use Jizz Off hand sanitizer. Because one spray wipes the germs away. Jizz Off hand sanitizer is made up of 75% alcohol. But unlike the others, Jizz Off doesn't dry out your hands. 300 sprays per bottle, made in the USA, and created by two women. That's right, ladies, keeping it classy and clean. So do yourself and your family a favor and protect them with sanitizer, masks, and wipes at jizzoffproducts.com. And be sure to use the code AHOLEPODCAST. Jizz is the new germs, so go to jizzoffproducts.com. That's J-I-Z-Z-O-F-F products.com and use that code AHOLE PODCAST. Don't get caught with jizz on your hands. It's embarrassing. Guys, we've all been in this situation. Last minute booty call, romantic evening with the wife, you got a manscape. You rush to grab that crappy razor. Ouch! Your weekend is ruined. That's why you need Smooth My Balls. Smooth My Balls is the next level grooming for the next level man. Introducing the Turf Chopper 2.0. The Turf Chopper has a premium alloy blade that glides seamlessly over those bad boys. And by boys, I mean balls. Never nip your sack again. It's also water resistant and easy USB charging. So you can plug it into your computer and multitask while tending to those testes. Order now at smoothmyballs.com and use the special code AHOLEPODCAST at checkout. Guys, don't keep the ladies waiting. Smoothmyballs.com and use that code AHOLEPODCAST. Hey, assholes, it's the big asshole, Doug Bass. I just want to take this time to thank everyone for listening to I'm an Asshole and subscribing to our podcast. If you love the show, do me a favor, tell two friends, and maybe they'll tell two friends. We're just trying to get the subscription numbers up and the downloads up, so I really appreciate everyone checking out the show. And don't forget to follow us on social media, at A-Hole Podcast. And if you want to watch the videos of the show, we got full videos on the YouTube channel, at A-Hole Podcast, or at Doug Bass Comedy. Do me a favor. Subscribe to that, too. Oh, guys, we got more assholes coming. Here's another episode. Thanks. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by Dogs Dig Dug Pet Care. That's right. I'm Doug. I dig the dogs. They dig me. If you didn't know, I own my own pet care business here in Los Angeles, and I've been doing it for 12 years. So if you ever need your dog walked, hiked, got to get out of town, want some overnight boarding, I'm your guy. I have two of my own dogs, Waffles and Penny, and they love when other dogs come over and play. So hit me up at dogsdigdugpetcare at gmail.com. What an asshole! Podcasting from Basshole Studios in Hollywood, California. California. You're listening to I'm an Asshole with Doug Bass. We've all been one, so let's talk about it. Now, here's your host, Doug Bass. He's an asshole, sir. He's an asshole. Hello, assholes. What's up? Welcome to I'm an Asshole with Doug Bass. I am your host, Doug Bass. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. If you are watching us on YouTube, I do have video for this show. So go on to YouTube at the channel Doug Bass Comedy and you can watch the show there with video. Um, we did do this show via Zoom, the interview. So uh, there are a couple moments where, you know, the Internet gets delayed and 
stops for a second or two. That's the day we're living in, of course, with Zoom interviews. But, you know, it's all good. It's all still all quality interviews and Audible and all that good stuff. Uh, we have a great show today. Uh, we have comedian Alex Hooper, who is currently on NBC's America's Got Talent. He is a roaster. He is funny. Uh, I've known him a while now, and he's a great guy. So we're going to jump into the show right away with Alex Hooper. Hope you enjoy Well, welcome to I'm an Asshole with Doug Bass. My uh, guest today is stand-up comedian Alex Hooper. Alex, thanks for being on the Asshole Podcast. I appreciate it. It's always been my dream to admit <laughs> to the world that I am an asshole, so I, I, yeah. I'm happy to be here. I know it's not the most flattering title to be approached to be on, but you know. Um, Funny enough, I kind of own the title. Like somebody a couple years ago called me a professional asshole, and I've embraced that title ever since. So I'm happy to be called an <laughs> asshole. I mean, why not, right? I mean, I feel like we've all been one. Um, and speaking of you being an asshole, um, you have appeared on America's Got Talent uh, in the past, back in 2018, I believe, season 13. Yep. That's uh, correct. And yep. you are on right now as well, currently. Um, yeah. Now, congratulations. Um, Thank you. That's a big and deal. I'm there because I'm an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> and now, like, you're, so your first appearance on that show. I mean, I, I, I've watched that show when, like, when it first started. I watched it more when, like, Howard Stern was a judge because I really enjoyed him. But um, I, I watched, you know, your, your first time on there. And you, you're a professional roaster. I mean, you know, you're a stand-up comic. You roast people. That's what you do. That's that's part of your comedy. And um, it's interesting that, you know, when when you're on that first appearance, everyone hates you in the audience. It's 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 great. I mean, it's super funny. And um, the judges seem like I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much you can talk about the show. I know you you know, you have. I can talk about season 13 as much as I okay, want. Okay, cool. Yeah, the, um, that, the past is fine. This yeah. season, I can't reveal too much. Exactly. I understand. I can tell you, you're like, yeah, I'll, we can talk season 13 all day. Cool. Um, so season 13, <laughs> when you're on there, I know like the judges, like, you know, they, they look like, you know, they're, they're in left field all of a sudden when you come out there and start insulting them. Um, and it's great, their reactions and everything. But it's like. I don't understand, like, all right, like Howie, like Howie Mandel, like he, he buzzed you immediately. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, <laughs> That's what I thought, too. And he later told me that he just got really caught up with what the crowd was doing. Right. And so he had trouble seeing me for the performance because he was just it was so loud in there. Like, yeah. I cannot. Like I, it, it is such a unique experience to have 3000 people scream at you from anger and hatred at the same time <laughs> and to be standing there by yourself, just taking it. Yeah. I can, I can think of very few other people that have ever been through anything like that. And how he told me, he's like, he, when I came back this season, he said, he's like, last time I was here, I got caught up with the crowd. They didn't like you. And so I thought I didn't like you. And then I went back and watched what you did. And I thought, this is amazing. This is hilarious. Like, I can't believe this guy did this and he gave me the credit that i deserved which is one of the reasons why i'm as far along on the show right now i'm currently a quarter finalist on season 15 yeah so redemption is mine i came back when everybody said i should definitely not go back (laughs) i mean that audience they thought they were done with me forever like the i know 
the common theme was good. Get out of here and never come back. And I was just like, oh, you think that hurt me? That only made me so much stronger, you dumb idiots. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, like, so- first of all, it's it's great exposure for you as a comedian. Like, you know, oh, win, win or lose, progress or not. It's like, exactly. you know. No millions of people are watching the show and even if they hate you it's like they're they're laughing at what you're doing because it is funny and it's like and the insults like yeah like a roast is a roast even though that show may not be set up for that particular like you know format but it's it's true a lot of the jokes that you do on there and it's like you know yeah it's like oh yeah even like let's let's play just a small snippet from from this season, your last appearance. Howie, what? look at that marvelous head. You weren't born, you were hatched. <laughs> Howie, I'm sorry, these are just jokes. Remember when you were a comedian? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Heidi. I'm so sorry you're not here, but I understand why you can't be here today. You are a Sports Illustrated model, and I'm sure you're off on their seniors tour. (laughs) (laughs) On to the lady who puts the more in a more. Hello, Sophia Vergara. Hello. I love you. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I mean, they cut, they cut my Sophia jokes, by the way. Oh, yeah, I did okay. not let her off that easy. Yeah, they, I was wondering because I was like, either that's a good that's a good play by you because like there's always one judge on this show, like like Heidi or like Sophia, that like is not going to get it. I feel like, you know, it's like they're not comedians. They don't watch a lot of comedy, maybe. But like they're always like, it's like, how is that not funny? How do you not see that being funny? So I was like wondering. Oh, sure. And she and the thing is, I was surprised when they cut him because she actually really enjoyed it in the moment. She was laughing at all the jokes. She even said, like, I want you to come back and destroy me. I love you so like and and the joke and the jokes that I said about her. Um, I'll tell you what they were. I said, um, Sophia is from Columbia. If you've ever heard her speak, you know, I don't mean the university. Uh, <laughs> I said, you sound like a chihuahua in a blender set to high. (laughs) And then I said, I can't think of one reason why you're famous, but I can think of two. (laughs) And I thought I was like, those are clean. Those are bangers. And so when they cut them all, I was a little disappointed. But in the the end, you just have no control over that. You have no control over it. And it's got to be, you know, and they voted you through this time, which is amazing. And congratulations. Yeah, it's great. Um, Thank you. And it's got to be weird. I mean, this season in particular, since there's no audience because of COVID. So like that, that is a big part of uh, America's Got Talent, I would think. Right. Certainly. Well, I mean, the reason why that first clip from season 13 went so viral is because that audience is so angry at me. And for for me to just be flamboyantly staring that in the face and little tail and just kind of just taking all these hits um it's what people reacted to so much is that i was just standing up there taking this hatred and i wouldn't stop giving it to them so to not have the audience this time definitely felt weird i mean you're in a three thousand seat theater and you're looking at three people yeah it's just bizarre now do you think do you think like not having the crowd there i mean especially this this show is i mean i always say like the comedians on this show have it the hardest i feel because it's built more for like the dancers the uh singers the avant-garde stuff that you've never seen before and then the comedian comes on and you know 
either either this crowd gets it or they don't. And it's a large crowd, and you know you're you're up against like all different elements, and now you're doing it with no audience whatsoever. Whether they're gonna boo you, laugh, uh, be in the middle somewhere, and now you just have to rely on the three or four judges laughing, and it's got to be like a weird experience to perform to that. To be honest, I mean, you do comedy in LA. Yeah. How who who's better suited to perform for nobody? No, it's than true. Us? That is true. Like, yeah. I, that's what I told. There were a couple other comedians backstage that were on the show. They were auditioning the same day and we were talking and they were kind of in the same boat. Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, guys, we've been preparing for this forever. It's an open mic. We yeah. <laughs> exactly what to do in this situation. Right. So I, I wish the audience had been there because honestly, I don't think the outcome would have been different. I think the clip would be a little bit more exciting, right. but I think I still would have been able to flip. Do you the think, on this do you think the audience would have booed this time as much? Yes, but I think they would have when they realized the judges were enjoying it this time around. I think they are so influenced by what the judges are thinking that they would have gone along with it and been like, oh, wait, are we supposed to think this guy's funny? Well, they're laughing at him, so they think it's funny, yeah. and we idolize them, so we must think this guy is funny. That is true, because the first time you were on, they were kind of like, uh, they seemed very insulted oh. or you know shocked almost. I mean, what I what I we were continually told that the judges have no idea what you're going to do. Basically, they have a sheet of paper and it will have it will say Alex Hooper comedian. Okay. And that's all they know. That's all they get. So they didn't, that's all they get. They didn't know I'm coming in there to just light them on fire and reduce them to a pile of ashes. <laughs> they had no idea. So Simon, who can take the criticism, was yeah. all for it and thought this shit was hilarious. He's the best. It was and. He's he. You know what? I never would have thought I would like him so much. And him and I, I've never actually met him in person, mm -hmm. other than just auditioning for the show. Right. But he, the little interactions we've had just from stage to uh, have been so nice. And he's he's been the guy that has supported me more than anyone. And I thought it would have been Howie because Howie, Howie, you you were a weirdo. You used to blow a rubber glove up on your head. Right. It's you like even, it's like he's changed, or like I don't know. It's like that, that's why your joke. Remember when? you were a comedian was like hysterical to me i mean i'm like yeah like you sh you, you are the one that should be getting this and, and like you know sometimes you do and sometimes you don't but <laughs> and that's the thing is just like i think simon saw right through me and realized that oh this is just an act like he's yeah. just up there he's up there just having a goof just being silly he's like i look at it as like i'm a court jester and i'm the only one who's allowed to come into this kingdom and make fun of these kings and queens absolutely Nobody else is allowed to but i've been given permission and simon got that immediately the other ones right ooh. right you got to win them over a little bit and i love when you call the audience peasants as you're you know you're, <laughs> you're, that's that's perfect that for was, them because that, that was, is that was it was my fuck you moment. It yeah. Was, it was my, I was so, it was so loud in there, Doug, that I literally could not hear myself think. I couldn't even like start speak because every time I would go to speak, the audience would scream right. so that nobody could hear me to try to shut me down. And I literally was seconds away from just going, you know what? Fuck right. all of you. And that's, and that's, that's hard for that show because you literally have to like, you have to give them what you're going to do, right? You can't just like improvise, right? Oh, sure. I mean, the producers knew exactly what was going to happen up there, right. but the calm down peasants, like, you know, in reacting in the moment, they're just going to, they can't stop you from doing that, no. obviously. 
So when I said, like, my brain was saying, fuck you, and, and my heart kind of knew it's like, that's not the answer. No, this is, you could have something better. And somehow call down peasants is what came out. And that tended to be the line that resonated the most with people. Right. Um, and I think that's why I got the Lord Farquaad reference so many times. <laughs> this, I was like wearing, wearing red, calling the audience right. peasants. Like, I, yeah. I love on this season that you, you approach Terry Crews and you, you're like, I'm not making fun of you, buddy. Like, relax. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. I think because like I would, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to run from that guy if he gets pissed <laughs> well this next round he might get a little all right pissed, all right so. well, we'll have to tune in and see i'm looking forward to <laughs> seeing what happens um so now i uh i also ran into you at the park uh, a week or two ago now you do yeah. you do this tightrope walking uh stuff in in the parks in la um is that what it's called is that fair to call it that tightrope walking slack line slack line so it's very similar yeah it's very similar to a tightrope um however a tightrope stays completely taut mm -hmm. whereas a slack line bounces and moves from side to side uh it's a little bit looser so that you uh you're you balance with it obviously but it's more you flow with the, whatever the line is doing and you have a lot more control over it than you would a tightrope how long have you been doing this three years wow it looks i yeah, mean just it looks really hard. I mean, I'm guessing it is in the, yeah, in the beginning, it's extremely hard. I mean, it feels almost impossible to do it in the beginning just because it's so wobbly and your muscles aren't used to it. And it just takes practice like anything yeah, else. Like, yeah. I mean, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And it became like this very gentle meditation for me. I go to the park and I set it up and I put on headphones and I'm just kind of in my own world while it's while I'm up there. And um, it's just it's, it gets me outside. It's super fun it makes me everything about me is so much stronger uh, my brain and my physicality because of slacklining and i'm just i'm glad i found it it's a weird activity but now i love how it how high do you go on this thing so normally i set it up like three or four feet off the ground um but the high i did try to high line once which is when you are way up in the air i was about 70 feet oh, wow. uh we were over a canyon trying to walk it across a canyon now are you tied to like, something yeah. yeah, I'm not, I don't have a death wish, you know, like people said, like, you know, people are like, oh, why don't you just go up there and just do it? If you, it's like, cause I don't want to die. Right. Idiot. Like, You're not joining the circus. Enough? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing enough that I'm trying to walk across a one inch piece of rope that's 70 feet in the air? Like, do I have to die if I fall? Now, how because far did, did you go on the 70 foot one? Like how I, oh, I couldn't, I, I never, I never even made it to a full uh, stand. I was, uh, I, I, I got myself out there like, cause you have to, you have to kind of sit on it and edge yourself off the cliff until you're about 15 feet away from the cliff. So there's no danger anymore. Right. And so, and as soon as I tried to like, you have to lay down on the line, put your foot behind you and somehow get to a standing position. It's incredibly difficult and it's something I can do, yeah. but in the, it was my first time trying it well, yeah. This was back in October and my the, the sweat and the fear just kind of took over and um I, so i took what you call whippers which is when you fall under the line your leash catches you and you literally then have to so you're hanging under the line 70 just dangling 70 feet up and you have to climb up your 
release, grab, and then flip yourself back over onto it so you can be back in a seated position to try to stand up again. Wow. And I did. I went out there twice. Each time I was out there for about 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes trying to do it. And I came back and I, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. Oh I God. was never, I mean, just I've never been more physically beat up than just trying to do that. Yeah, just the height alone would freak me out. I can't imagine doing that. Um, yeah. And that's what I said to them, the, my friends that I was with that were they they were they were like pros at this and they were like they were like dude you did really good and I was like dude I, I've never felt this much pain pain and they were like oh you're hung on for your life before <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. not surprised that your arms are killing you you literally were hanging for your life yeah that's scary so, um, so when did you start doing stand up uh, March 9th, 2009. So I'm about 11 and a half years deep at this point. Nice. And you, uh, you also do roast battle at the comedy store, correct? Yeah. So that's, then that's how I got to America's got talent is I never, the roasting thing, it just came out of nowhere. Like I never even wanted to do roast battle. I just enjoyed watching it. And then uh, a friend of mine, Jason Van Glass, who's an LA comedian, wanted me, one needed a partner to do it with. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it once. Right. And we just had this epic fucking cat fight where it was just back and forth. And the whole belly room at the comedy store started chanting and they were just yelling our names and they, they the whole room exploded and i never had my comedy reacted to like that before like people laugh and stuff but never have i had a whole room screaming and banging on the ceiling while i told jokes that's amazing yeah. I, oh my god yeah that feeling is just like so the first so the first time you incredible. did roast battle did that kind of uh change your look on maybe a direction you would take your comedy I didn't think it would like I, I literally said I'm never doing this again and then immediately I was like that was it that was as good as it's ever gonna get and then Brian Moses who's the host of the show right. was like uh, you already have another battle uh, I've already put you on you're gonna be a main event uh, you're in three weeks you're against this guy and I was like fuck I didn't even want to do this again he's like you're in it now dude and I quickly rose to the ranks and uh, got really just got really good at it and became the LA champion a title I held for over a year yeah and it just you know it's one of those things where you don't know where your life's taking no. you so you just you just pick you know you go with the direction that it seems to be getting traction exactly you, and, you fell into it and it works for you and you're great at it and i see i've never i haven't done a roast battle yet i that's something where i'm like i, I think it could be fun but yeah again i'm like i don't know if that's really my thing or not, you know, like I'm sure I can come up with some insults and stuff, but again, yeah, oh, like, yeah. like you said, it's like, it's a, it's a different kind of take on uh, you know, stand up, and uh, I love watching it, but I'm always like it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, and so you and I also have something else in common. Um, we both yeah, went to we point do. park university in Pittsburgh, Woo, baby. Man. Now what, yes, what, what year were you at point park? 2000 to 2008. I got I got there I got there in late 2004 the fall of 2004 I think okay. I got there yeah I uh yeah. I graduated in 2003 and I I had moved out here to LA and took my last semester out here with an internship but um yeah Point Park I love Pittsburgh I, man I haven't uh, so do I but I haven't been back since I grad I haven't been back since 2003 which is crazy Dude, to me. me I was supposed to record my, I was recording my album there on in April of this year. Obviously that didn't happen, but I was so excited to return to a city that I love so much and record my second album. So you were going to record your new album in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I had it all set up. 
my label was flying with our label called a special thing. They were flying out there with me. We had the venue all booked. We had the flyer made, Like we were already selling tickets. Oh, wow. so we were right. We were there ready to go. Yeah. And then of course, you know, that was, it was supposed to record on April 11th. So I don't have to tell you what happened there. Right. Exactly. But, um, but I, I, I love Pittsburgh and I haven't been back and yeah. I'm so excited. To I'm always uh, for myself. I'm always like, why haven't I gone back yet? I'm like, you know, I, I lived there for four years almost. And it's like, it's a great city to, to be in and hang out. Lots of arts and comedy and whatnot theater. Um, but every time people are always, also, I was a ducky tour guy. there. Oh, were you? Yeah. You remember the duck tours? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was my job literally for three years was to talk about how great Pittsburgh was. And if you do that 1500 times, it gets in your head and you're like, oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, this is a great it city. Is a great I city. love city. it yeah. here. Did, um, so the, when people always ask me like where, where I went to college, I always say like point park and people are like, what, what's that? Like, what is that? Like, you know, and, I, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, they're, they're like, you mean pit? I'm like, yeah, yeah pit. I'm just, I'm just like, I don't feel like explaining like what it is, even though it is like a really well-known like school for the arts and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's a big, it's a small liberal arts college. I yeah. always called it pulled. I called it pulled pork university. Pulled pork university. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big football town. You know, I mean, uh, one thing I, I, I like that you did is you, you got to go to the super bowl this past super bowl, right? So I didn't actually get to go to the Super Bowl, the game, but I got to go to Miami for Super Bowl week and right. interview a bunch of the players right. uh, during me during media day, which was so exciting for me. Like I, uh, I'm, I love football. I'm a Ravens fan. So I'm from Baltimore originally, but I was in Pittsburgh when they won the Super Bowl in 2005, and that was just so fucking cool to be there. Yeah. Um, this, this thing you so, this thing you did with uh, Craig Gass the interview yeah. at the Super Bowl. I'm gonna just play one like a little second of this. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. He doesn't watch football. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about football. He literally just found out Tom Brady's not here, and he he can't understand it. Will you guys just sign it? I'm trying to get some players to sign it to send to Tom. <laughs> Alex, they're not supposed to do autographs during the during the thing, so they can't it's do not that. For me, does it feel weird that you're sitting in Tom Brady's seat? Tom. <laughs> That was just a great segment. Like you just think everyone is Tom Brady or like he's supposed to be there. Yeah. May Holmes yeah, is like somebody... his reaction to that is just classic. Dude, it was so fun. Um, Craig Gass has been a friend of mine for years. He's taken me on the road with him. He's uh and for the past few years, I've been helping him. He's done the Super Bowl gag, but um I've helped him write for it. Like I've just given him questions to ask the players and come up with different themes and things like that. And this year, the main guy he usually takes couldn't be there. So he called me up and was like, Alex, uh, if you can do this, I'll fly you out to Miami. We'll go to these like press things and stuff. And I was like, fuck. Yes, 100%. I'm so down for this. And then when we came up, uh, when um, the actual theme by uh, her name's uh, Courtney Cronin, she's a great comedian as well and a roast writer. And she came up with that theme and just like we just ran with it. And just being in that energy on that floor and getting to meet these players. And they were all pretty open and pretty cool about it. And we were allowing them to like roast me and stuff like that too. So, it was just one of those experiences where I was very just, you know, genuinely happy and honored to be there. That's awesome. Now, you're also a big uh, dog person. I, I am as well. I actually I, I walk dogs professionally. So you have pugs, right? I, I do. I got two of them. You have two pugs. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're adorable dogs. My, my wife always wants a pug and we haven't gotten a pug yet, but we have two dogs as well. Um, and you also released a, a pug yoga calendar. Is that correct? 
<laughs> I did uh, in 2018. I uh, I I made these silly Instagram posts of me just doing yoga with my dog and. The, the internet just kind of like everyone on my social media was like, this is hilarious. What are you going to do with this? And I was like, I don't know, nothing. And then this is for fun. And then people were like, make a coffee table book, make a calendar, yeah. make mugs, do anything. And I told uh, Troy Conrad, who's an amazing LA photographer, yeah, um, you know, shoots for comedy central and all the, and the comedy store and all these people. I told him the idea while we were at a music festival and he, and he was just like, Alex, what, this is a great idea. Totally. We're going to do it. And I was like, I was like, yeah, maybe we will. He's like, no, Alex, why are we not doing it right now? Like we need, when we get back from here, we're shooting this calendar. <laughs> and you know, it was one of those moments where I just, I put so much love into it. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to make something that people will be proud to own, not just some rinky dick shitty yeah. Vista print calendar. We're going to take beautiful photos. We're going to design this thing and we're going to really put out something that we can be proud of. And some uh, by a miracle, you know, it got to the Ellen show uh, before she was a total monster <laughs> as all of right. this comes out. Good timing. Um, you don't want to be on there now, probably. Yeah, no, not so much. Actually, I don't know. As a actually, asshole, actually, any of us would jump to be on Ellen again right now. It's just like, oh, <laughs> oh you're sure. an asshole. Me too. All right, that's fine. Let's get over that and do the interview. Ellen, we can bond. <laughs> um, it got to her and she featured it on her show, which was one of those moments where I was like, this was one of my stupidest ideas yeah. ever. But because I just put so much love love into it it, and i put the work in to make it something good then look how far it got it got to like the biggest daytime show absolutely and people people love anything with dogs on it like you want to you know raise money for something like i i I do a show called the dog and funny show which is just me doing stand-up comedy and you know talking about my experiences with dogs as a dog walker in, in la so it's like you know, it's like, and I've been able to like tour around a little bit with that around the country, but like, again, yeah, dogs are like, just bring people together and it's something that everyone can, can, can connect with. And plus yoga in LA, there you go. You know, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's it. And the funny thing is I don't even do yoga. Like you don't do I, yoga. I just, I, I don't like, I've done it a bunch of times, but I don't do it in any sort of regularity. Oh, all right. I thought you were like a yogi. And no, that's kind of the fun of it is that people, it's, 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 <laughs> It's just me playing another character. Like, right. the, the, I even like that's why I consider the roasting thing too. Like, I'm I consider it a character. Like, yeah, it's a yeah. Big part of me. But this is just another thing that I can do. Like when I'm on America's Got Talent this season, like I have my, like I say like, hi, I'm Alex Hooper. I'm a roaster. And so that crowd knows me as just, I'm a roaster. Right. So they might not know all the other things, but I think that's part of being just a fully formed comedian. And I'm not fully formed yet. I'm on my way there, but uh, you just have to embrace all these different facets of things you can do and the more things people know you for then you know the bigger your audience becomes exactly so, and like when you when you are a roaster on on agt and you, you wear you wear these like amazing like outfits as well these costumes um which <laughs> which is part of your you know your persona your character your you as a comedian and yeah i think like when you first when people's first see you come out there like you know with this this outfit with the tail and everything they may not know what to expect which is like the best part i think of of your act because then you then you just become like you know an asshole and start roasting these people and they're like oh i wasn't expecting that you know (laughs) one of my one of my favorite things is that people are like like how 
could he wear, how could he wear that and think he can roast people? And I'm like, <laughs> that's the point, you dumb fuck. Right, like, exactly. I'm, I have turned myself into the most roastable thing on the planet right, right. now. Now, what and what inspires these these costumes, these outfits that you've come up with? Music festivals mainly. Are you a, I, uh, are you a raver? Do you go to like music festivals or raves that kind of thing? <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself a raver, okay. but I do go to a ton of music festivals, Burning Man stuff right. like that. So I, I I consider myself more a burner than I would a, a burner. Raver. That's right, well, yeah. a burner, yeah. But um, that's the thing is like people at music festivals like and Burning Man and stuff like that. They are so genuine in the way that they express themselves, and they're fearless in what they wear and how they want to present themselves to the world and. I was so inspired by that when I started going to festivals and seeing these people wearing these elaborate and like amazing and sometimes hilarious costumes. And I one day just kind of thought I was I was I was at a festival and I was on acid and I was wearing the thing that I wore on AGT right. the first time. And I was like, I had a roast battle coming up in like a week and a half. And I was like, I looked at my friend who's a big fan of roast battle. And he's good. I was dude, what if I wore this? Yeah. Like on stage, he was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, it's a perfect situation. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to wear it to do stand up, but what if I could wear this like to just roast somebody? Right. So like, so and- you pick this outfit or these outfits like for specific moments, like AGT roast battle. But if you would just do a set, like if you're doing a, you know, a club in Chicago or something, are you going to wear that? No, or are wear, you just going to be, I, I wear a kimono. I wear kimonos. Okay. I wear, I, I have a very, it's a very, just like, like jeans, black t-shirt, but I always have a very colorful kimono usually over top. Um, so I add, it's like my splash yeah. of color and it, it's my like accent piece to show that I'm still it's still a very uniquely me totally. but I don't need to go I don't need to go on there wearing a rainbow unitard with my junk <laughs> hanging out you know that those those very elaborate now, costumes yeah. are more reserved now when you do roast battle with these costumes do you reveal yourself wearing these on stage or do you are you like just are you you have like a robe on or like a kimono um I've done it both ways. The yeah. first time I ever did it, I came out in a trench coat so nobody knew. And as soon as I took it off and revealed yeah. what I was wearing, I had a bunch of plants in the audience that all started chucking glow sticks at me. <laughs> and I had this electronic music playing and I had my fiber optic whip that glows right. rainbow colors. And so I was just like, nobody had ever done that before yeah. in most battles. That's kind of... Ever- that's kind of cool because it's kind of like whoever you're battling doesn't see it beforehand and can't like come up no. with something last minute or whatever. So you reveal it and then it's kind of like a, another weapon in your arsenal to like oh, for sure. battle them with. And that one, that one specifically, because now obviously people expect that. Right. They're like, oh, what's Alex going to do right, this time? Exactly. But that first time, I mean, I flabbergasted my opponent. I stunned him. It was like, it was basically like a, in basketball, how they do the fake outs or whatever. They try to like make you just go like ah and flail on your <laughs> shot. That's exactly what I did to uh, Pat Barkley, friend of mine, one of the best roast joke writers I've ever met. But he had no idea what the fuck to do when I came out, and I spoke in this voice like this, and kept flipping my little tail, and he was like, <laughs> "What the fuck is this?" Like, right. and you could just you could just tell he was he was pretty furious at me actually afterwards. Oh, it was really sure. funny. I, I went up and I was like, "Hey, man," and he goes, "I just need a day," and he walked away from me. And <laughs> he then, couldn't even talk to you. Yeah. 
Oh my God. And, and there was big talk like, oh, was this cheating? Like, because half the people were wow. like, this was amazing. And half of the other community was like, he cheated. You can't do that. He turned himself into something else that wasn't him. Pat wasn't roasting Alex. He was roasting whatever the fuck that thing was. <laughs> and there's no rules. Like, no, there, it's not a rule for one. I actually became, I gave him all the fodder in the world to hit me even harder. Yeah. Like he, he immediately, if he, had thought about it for a second, he could have shut me down on the spot. Absolutely. For what I was doing, yeah. but you took him by was, surprise. Exactly. It was that, it was that baffling moment. It was when he realized you had a tail. He was like, what the fuck am I going to do? With this? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick <laughs> break and we'll come right back with Alex Hooper. Hang tight. We'll be back with this week's asshole right after this. Hey, You like books like me, but you don't want the hassle of carrying them around? I know, they're heavy, right? You're going to break your back, or you're going to strain your eyes trying to read that tiny print. Let me tell you something. You should try Audible.com. If you're on the fence about trying an audiobook and you've never done it, let me help you. It's a no-brainer. Audible.com also has podcasts, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals that you're not going to find anywhere else. They have thousands of titles to choose from. So you're going to be listening for a long time with their selection. The app is free. It can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. So do me a favor. Take out your phone. You know it's in your hand. And download the app. And if you use my special code, Audible is going to give you a free book right now. That's right. Free. Visit audibletrial.com slash assholepodcast. That's audibletrial.com slash asshole podcast. Just do it. You're listening to the I'm an Asshole with Doug Bass podcast. All right. We are back with stand-up comedian Alex Hooper from America's Got Talent. Well, Alex, this is the uh, I'm an Asshole podcast. And uh, what we do on here is we, uh, we talk about a, a time in your life that you may have been an asshole. Uh, it could be a single incident. It could be a chunk of time in your life. You can be one right now. Sometimes you are on AGT to the judges, you know, yeah, uh, whatever you want to talk about. Let's, uh, uh, what do you have to share with us today? So here's, here's the funny thing is like, cause I've talked about how I am. Like I call myself a professional asshole and stuff like that. And I really, I pick my moments now because as most people know me as this very loving, positive, optimistic person, I just tend to like beam light out of me and I try to inspire others. And for the most part, people know me as a non-asshole, which is why me being an asshole on TV is so much fun right. because, because all my friends, the people that know me, they're like, Oh, this is just a character. Yeah. And the rest of the world go i fucking hate this guy he's the worst (laughs) yeah um but all that comes because i used to for so many years of my life i hated myself i thought the world was against me and because of that i lashed out on everyone and tried to bring them down to my level of misery Mm -hmm. because i thought that was the only way to make the playing field fair and specifically i mean when i was i mean i was really bad in middle school going into high school i this is when i was like full-on like i would call my mother the c word i would would sit in the backseat of the car and kick her chair as she drove Uh i would i would constantly destroy 
anything that was given to me for any reason. Like if you gave me a gift, I would destroy it in front of you just to. You would destroy a gift, like you would just break it or something. Yep. Wow. I would, I, yep, I would do just I would because do you anything. didn't like what it was, or you were just being an asshole. No, yeah. it had nothing to do with the gift. It was just to show you I will not be happy no matter right. what. Challenge am, me, yeah, one hundred percent. I had I had chosen a life where I was going to fail miserably. I was going to take people with me, and I was never going to show you that I had any joy within me. And a lot of this stemmed because I have really terrible eczema. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's harder to notice now because I'm on some really strong medication. I actually okay. have to inject. I have to inject myself. Yeah, every I listen. I listen to your podcast a little bit. Uh, Achille, Achilles heel. Um, yeah. and uh, I like, I like where you go with that. We're just talking about, you know, um, you know, problems that you have outside of your comfort zone. So I, I like what you're doing. Yeah. There. And that's my thing is like the, the eczema, like it, 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 for so many years, it forced me into this dark hole of my brain because my skin hurt so bad. And I felt like this monster and I thought, what world what God could possibly turn me into this. Right. So fuck everything, fuck the world. And where it really got bad was in like in school, I would never do my homework. And then where did you grow up to a, Baltimore, Baltimore? Okay. Yeah. So come to 11th grade, I am a full on just beast. Like I will what I will say anything. I will do anything as long as it's negative and I will, I'll do it. And okay. it got to the point where I had this, I had this first year teacher in 11th grade English and her name was Miss Tuttle. And Tuttle. I, it was, it was like, for me, like she announced them the first day. She's like, guys, this is my first year teaching. Oh, she's a rookie. And like, <laughs> and she, exactly. And she let us all know. Oh, never do that. Smile like, I'm like, guys, like this is going to be so fun. You're my first class. <laughs> and I, am, I, I was like, I was like a hunter that just saw the biggest deal that I ever from point blank range with my arrow. I was like, oh, this motherfucker is about to die. Yeah. And I'm going to eat for a long time. You saw an time. opportunity, yeah. Oh, I charged <laughs> full speed, man. I was the rhino just like, oh, I'm going to break up this fucking zebra. Were you were and you like a class clown in high school or no? Yes and no. I was more so just the, I was an asshole. Yeah. I didn't like, I thought I was being, I thought I was being funny and sometimes I was, right. but more so I, I, I wanted chaos. Yeah. I wanted destruction. You wanted the attention. I wanted the, exactly. I want, it was mainly that I wanted attention and me, my way of getting attention was to cause the complete breakdown of classroom ethics as we knew them. Uh -huh. So I started, I came up with something whenever I could tell that Miss Tuttle was flustered. I came up with this little saying and I would start doing it. And then eventually the rest of the class would start chiming in and we would just all go, I would start and I go nutty, tutty, nutty, tutty, nutty. Oh, and then the God. rest of the class, like, no. she's like, guys, up class. Please, I'm just trying to teach you here. Yeah. Just look at the black, and we'd all go, oh, no. and like just trying to like really like get in her head. And she didn't know how to control me. Right. She had she couldn't control you. Me. Controlled no, the classmates. Very much so. And the only way to control me that any teacher knew was to shut me down immediately and get me out of the room. I was mm -hmm. kicked out of class all the time. The principal, I would just show up to the office and they'd be like, 
There he Alex, is again. Just go sit, go, go sit over there for the rest <laughs> of whatever class period you're right. in right now. And they would like it got to the point where he wouldn't even talk to me anymore. Like they wouldn't they, like, they wouldn't suspend you or anything like that. No, I've been suspended enough. Like yeah, I really like they 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 were just like there's nothing we can do except remove him for this class period and hope he calms down for the future. And the thing is, they would talk to me and they'd be like, "What are you going to do?" And I was I didn't care. Yeah, I had no. I, at that time, I thought I had no future, so I was like, "Burn it all to the ground. Fuck this place. Let's do it." And the and the sad part about this is, Doug. I went to a magnet school okay. for acting. For arts, I didn't even yeah. Go to a, for arts. I didn't even go to a regular high school. I went to a specialty school for something that I truly wanted to be a part of. For acting. And I still, yeah, so, I still so could how, not get my stuff together. So going to a magnet school, I, 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 never, I went to a regular high school, but I, I did go to a performing arts program called Governor's School in New Jersey where I grew mm-hmm. up. Um, very similar. I, I got I got accepted to that for the summer. Um, don't you think like so? The teachers that teach at this magnet school aren't they? Aren't they expecting like oh my god we're gonna have a bunch of actors and they're gonna be you know crazy at times or speaking out or whatever? Not so much because my school there were it was there were nine different they called them primes essentially like that's like a major essentially mm-hmm. and acting was only one of them. There was also culinary arts, uh, tech theater, cosmetology, writing, business. Uh, there is a leaf blower outside my place right now, and I hope you can't hear it as that's well a, as I can. That's all right, but. Um, yeah, so like you could go for, um, you know, all, uh, visual arts, multimedia, like there were a bunch of different things you could go for. So they expected us to be better behaved than I guess a regular high school because it was a privilege to be right, there. Right. You got in. Yeah. And, right. And, but I was the only one out of my acting class that was really this, um, this rebel. Like I couldn't believe like nobody else was smoking pot until senior year year and i'm freshman and i was just like guys you don't have to be an artist yeah. okay Take like, a hit. Yeah. we're supposed to be not <laughs> wearing tie-dye like <laughs> let's go pass a joint and so for me like i in that classroom i didn't understand why everybody else didn't think the way i did uh and because obviously when you're 15, 16 years old, you don't have the knowledge of the world to realize that everyone is different and that not everyone is going to be on the same page as you. Right, yeah. Uh, but in my singular insular world, I couldn't understand why everybody else didn't want to be an asshole too. Like people were like, don't you think the world's a beautiful place? I'm like, let me tell you about Charles Bukowski, you dumb fuck. You don't know anything. Right. About, we, are, we are living in a dismal existence. There is no future. And like, you know, and people would, they hated me for that. It's yeah. like, you're no fun. They, they and, either um, would, would jump on your, you know, wagon or not. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. And most people wouldn't at that time wouldn't jump on the wagon as I would jump on it either. If I, right. when I look back, like it's hard for me to look back at who I was because I've done so much work on myself mm-hmm. to be this super fun loving person that when I think about how big of a dick face I used to be, it just, it almost like I, I've done the work to like get over it, but it's still like painful to think like, God, I really like, I lived to hurt people yeah. and to make, Make them uncomfortable. And part of is what has led me to be such a good roaster and comedian because I never wanted to play by the rules and me not playing by the rules and me doing things that people said, why would you ever do that is what got me to where I am now. Right. 
but at the time i didn't know it was leading to anything no, i thought i was like, gonna be in jail yeah these are all like moments that you piece together after time and you say well this this happened for this reason and this and maybe i can apply that to that and you know learn from this or whatever um yeah and, and this teacher that you used to uh uh essentially roast in a way you, you know whether you knew you were doing it or not at the time um what happened to her did she did she ever like control the room Did she did she just no. give up or what oh no she well she kind of gave up she uh it was her first year at our as a teacher first year at our school so she's young and fresh probably 24 25 years old right. and she didn't come back next year and i thought like oh man i really scared this bitch away like woo, woo, woo. right out of myself <laughs> and then I asked my parents, I was like, did you hear that, uh, that that teacher is gone? And they were, and they were like, yeah, Alex, um, it's nothing to be happy about. She was committed. And I was like, committed to what? She wasn't committed to teaching. I'll tell you that much. And <laughs> you didn't even know what was committed literally. was at the time. No, I, didn't, I didn't realize. And they were like, she went to institution, mental institution over the summer and she's not back to your school or maybe others any other school for a long wow. time and in me being the fucking asshole 16 year old that i was right. was like yeah, that's how you fucking <laughs> slam dunk dude that is just like that's straight up like it reminded me of that picture of the nba of the uh, of the dunk where like lebron's yeah. nuts are like sitting on that guy's face that was like, a win for you I, yeah such a weird. Now, were your like, were your parents strict? Like, how did they how did they like deal with this? They, my parents were, it's loosely strict. Like, they tried to enforce things on me, but I was always like just getting out of the house and escaping some way if you're, I was grounded. Out, yeah, escape. Yeah, exactly. And so they were like, they, my parents are very supportive and they're very cool, but I wasn't really giving them any options. Right. So they had to lay the hammer down as much as they could. It was a lot of time, like forced therapy and stuff, which God, I mean, you want to talk about an asshole move, dude. <laughs> when, I, when I was 15, I was in, I would have to go to weekly therapy sessions and my, and I knew they were costing my parents about 150 to $200 yeah. an hour. So I would go in there and I would refuse to talk. I would just oh, sit there with my arms. You just waste like the time. Yeah. I would waste all the time. And then finally, after like four or five sessions, this guy, I finally decided I'm going to speak. And he straight up and told my parents, he will not speak. He will not speak. And there he's like, he's like, I think <laughs> this guy, though, he's a pro. He's like, he thought he could get to me. And I was 100% dedicated to him not getting right. Me. So but he knows what he's doing. And you eventually you start talking to this guy. Well, I started talking, but in my own terms. Right. So what I started doing is I, 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 I waited about a half an hour into the session. I haven't said a word. He's staring at me, asking me questions every couple minutes. And then I looked at a picture of his family on his desk uh -huh. and I said, hey, is that your daughter? And he's like, yes, it is. And she was probably like my age. And I just looked at him and I went, what do you think about, do you think she would like if I fucked her in the ass? Oh my, you said that? I said that and this guy oh this guy is, looks at me and he goes i don't want to talk like that he's like and i was like oh well that's the only way i want to talk oh so if you don't want to talk about that i'm just gonna shut down again and then for the rest of the session i was just silent and so of course my parents are like how did it go and this therapy and this therapist has to be like he wants to fuck my daughter in the ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, like, and I look back at that, and honestly, there is a that part I have a little bit of pride for because I was so stubborn 
in my ways, literally was not going to back down. And when I think about moments like that, and then I think about what happened on America's Got Talent, yeah. it all kind of leads into it. Absolutely. Just like being so stubborn. Because you're like, you're like, I want to push buttons. And, you know, you push this, this therapist button and, you know, a part of you probably saw his reaction and was like, this can lead to something at some point. And then when you accidentally end up doing roast battle and you're like, oh, this, this, this connects in a way, you know, from, from what I used yeah, to well, do. For, my, for years, I was battling teachers, my parents, but any authority figure in my life, I wanted to make them hurt. And I wanted to prove to them that I was dominant and you could not control me. And when the thing about it is like when I finally got over this whole, like, I'm, I don't want to be an asshole anymore thing. And a big part of it was I was in love with uh, my best friend for years mm -hmm. and we had a horrible, um, blow up we you know i thought i was gonna be with her and stuff like that and we had this horrible explosion and it kind of got me to this place of like i realized that she had been controlling my emotions in the same way that right. i was trying to control other people's emotions but i was allowing her to do this and then i thought like i'm like i'm not gonna feel pain anymore not from you i'm not gonna allow you me to be angry because of you and all of a sudden i flipped the script right. and all of these incredible things started happening in this uh, sequentially and i was like whoa like i just like you know turn my frown the teeniest bit the other way and suddenly my dreams are coming true like yeah. how did this happen and that's kind of like when i realized the like take what you learned from being an asshole but apply it to being a better person exactly. and think about how you made people feel in the past think about the things that you did and really focus on the fact that you used to bark at old people and you know steal cigarettes and you know yell yeah. at teachers and it, it all becomes it all it all you know adds up to who we become eventually and sometimes sadly it's the only way people learn you know right from wrong or treating people one way or another or or doing it just for the the laugh you know like sometimes i mean yeah. when i was a kid i would do things just you know uh, oh this is going to be funny like I, I don't really care how this person feels afterwards but now you look back at it you're like you're like oh my god like like this teacher that went was it was committed like whatever happened to her do we know I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, honestly, now that we're talking about it, I'm probably going to Google her after we, uh, after, after we talk, because I'm just like, I, I yeah, I, I kind of like, I would reach, I would reach out at this point. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of who I was because I didn't know any better. And if I were my parents, I wouldn't have known what the fuck to do with me. Like right. for so many years, I thought I will never have kids. Cause if I have to deal with me, that's my, my, that's what I'm scared of. It's like, if I have a kid and like, like, yeah, like, I mean, you know, obviously there's far more worse situations than either of us have been, you know, being an asshole. But like, it's like, what if I, what if I, you know, uh, raise the next uh, mass murderer or something? It's like, I don't, I don't even want that on my, like, like, oh my God, like, ugh, I know it's, it's too a, much it's to a think genuine of. Fear. Cause I know, I know there's a part of like, I know I could, I, I would shower my child with love and stuff like that. But there's a part of me that's like, but my parents showered me with love right. and I still did all that shit. And it took me years to come out of it. I mean, my parents, they, they never gave up on me, but there was definitely a point when they were like, we're not going to do this anymore. And we love you no matter what, but like whatever happens to you, we're not responsible at this point. We've right. done everything we can. We've, we've put, 
pushed you into sports, into arts, into friends, into 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 a loving yeah. place. It sounds like you had like a great upbringing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just I, you chose re- to really just, just to you know do what you want and and to each their own. And it's like everyone deals with it in different ways, and it's made you become the person. Oh. Hang on, uh, decline. Bam. Okay. All good. Are we back? Okay. We're back. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, we lost video for a minute. It's all good. Um, what was I saying? Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's it's all it's all part of who we become, and you know, I mean, you know, even if you get a teacher committed, which is is it's kind of an amazing <laughs> accomplishment as a, as a I mean, kid, I would say. <laughs> I hate to laugh. At I, it, I, but I, like, I'm I, kind of thinking that she's watching you now on AGT, and it's all coming back to her. It's like, the- <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I can only imagine. She like, had to I mean, check like, back in. That's, that's kind of the amazing thing about it. Is I look back and I was like, wow, God, I was such a jerk. Why did I act like that? But also in the same respect, I'm like, but why did you let a 16 year old walk all over you like that and control your emotions? And I just got to the point where I was like, it's not, it doesn't excuse what I did, but I literally just picked out a very weak person and was like, I got this, you know, and you could, you could tell. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that I pushed it as far as I did is kind of, um, it's almost like a testament to how I would operate in the future of like, how close can I get to the cliff before we fall over it? You know, like how, how much can I dance on the edge before like complete annihilation happens? And when I look at things like that, it's like, man, if I just knew how to control my own emotions, I could have been doing things for a much greater good for a longer time. But obviously you can't tell a 16 year old to, Hey, you're going to be happy in a few years. Don't worry. You're just a kid. You right. Because that, your brain doesn't understand that shit at that time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, you're, you're, you're figuring everything out at that age. And it, there's a lot going on. You know, it's like no one's perfect. And you have to go through those moments to figure all that stuff out. Um, Definitely. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a very funny and interesting story, I would say. Um, I've never heard that. I've never heard that one. <laughs> Committing the teacher to the mental place for the, for the year or the summer or whatever. I'm very not prou- <laughs> I'm very not proud of it. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's why it's fun to do a podcast like this because like, well, as soon as you said, you're like, oh, I, I, you're like, think about a time when you were an asshole. Yeah. And I was like, a time? Well, the, the, wow. that's, see, that's what I love, especially like with comics. It's like most comics have no problem being like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll do it right now. You want to do it today? You know, it's like other people that I've <laughs> like, you know, it's like I have to coax and massage some other people like, don't worry. It could be something very simple. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to ruin your job or career. You know, it's like. Some people are th- like, let me think about it for a month and I'll, and I'll get back to you. You know, it's like, <laughs> but that's why, that's why I love that you do this podcast is because I'm not, uh, I like, I like talking about the person I used to be because when you know the person that I am, that it shows you how much you can change if you believe in something and you believe in yourself and you work on it. So like, this is people, sometimes people go, what you were like, you were an asshole. And I'm just like, yeah, like the biggest one you've ever made like in your life like right. i was the worst i was the worst child and i you know i wanted that 
just chaos. And the fact that I got myself to this point and now I'm figuring out how to be a provocateur, but in a very healthy way that does push the envelope of comedy and allow me to be this unicorn out there. Now I figured out how to harness my evil powers for good. Exactly. And yeah. And everyone knows really- everyone knows it's in good fun, you know, the roasting. And if they don't know, then they don't have a sense of humor for that taste of comedy or whatnot and for sure and it's not for them you know and and, then that happens i tell people this all the time they're like like when people say i'm mean i'm just like look if you don't own your flaws they will own you right and if you're like i tell people i'm like make fun of me hit me i'm comfortable with myself do you think like people do do you think i can put on a rainbow unitard and a purple tail and walk onto national television because i'm not comfortable with who i am fuck you dude that's confidence i know exactly that's that's a hundred percent, and that's when you wear the confidence on you, right. and you can use it for this. Then people start to kind of realize that it is all in good fun. Yeah, and, and that's guy, half, and that's and that's a lot of you know this business and comedy is is, is confidence and um, you know being who you are and not being afraid of it. You know, and yeah, and it took me years to get there, man. I mean, right. that Pat oh, Parker yeah. battle, Same here. that was that was a life changing moment for me because I suddenly realized. I can do whatever I want. And part of me before I did that battle was uh, I thought, are you going to do this at the comedy store? The comedy store where all of your heroes have performed ever. Right. And then I started thinking about it. Oh, you mean like Jim Carrey yeah. and Sam Kennison and exactly. all these people that were apps, Robin Williams, these people that were absolutely fearless and would do apps. Would you edit Jim Carrey used to pretend he was a crab for 15 minutes. Right. Exactly. Like that. And like, you know, you know, the first several times he went up, like people were like, what the fuck is this? You know? And then he just kept doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's when I was the moment I was like, yes, the comedy store is the perfect place to do it because this is where history has been made in the past. Absolutely. And if I want to be a part of it, then I need to be bold and take a chance on myself. And that opened me and to that's, this entire world. And that's what's great, you know, you being on AGT and the people booing you the first time you were on and um, what's what's gonna happen so for the for the season that you're on now, are they they're not gonna have an audience at all this season, are they? No, and I'm in. The, and, and this is what's so crazy is the next rounds uh, are, are are live shows. So right. we are doing this. Like there is, they're doing those outside. They're doing them like in studios and stuff like that. Like there's diff- there's different things that they're doing. Um, I can't talk too right. much about it because I don't even know all that much about it yet. But the crazy thing is, and because you're a comedian, you'll get this. I have I've performed one time in the past. five six months basically right Mm -hmm. and i'm about to go on live television to do untested jokes right exactly there's no way to test them yeah no and there's no way for me to just get that comfort level of like i've been on stage a hundred times the past month this is just right because that's most comedians when they're doing a tv performance they're they're out doing shows you know every day of the week leading up until the the filming or whatever and and non-stop now we can't do that And now we can't do it. So I'm literally, I have to have that air of confidence right now because I'm walking out to do something that is almost unprecedented yeah. for a comedian. Like, and this is, so I, try, I mean, when I think about it, 
I'm terrified and yeah. I have to turn that terror into confidence and into nervous energy where I know I'm going to walk out there and give a performance, but I've, I've, I've set up this next round. So it won't matter that I don't have an audience. I've come up with a very specific way right. to roast them where it's going to, I think it's going to work no matter what. And I'm just, I'm so excited for people to see what That's I do. Great. Yeah. Part. It's a time for you to be creative. You got to think outside the box with this COVID and TV production and all that stuff. So I'm sure it's going to be great, and uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck on uh, the season Thanks, man. of AGT. Yeah. Well, AGT uh, season fifteen is that is that what it is? Correct. Season fifteen uh, on NBC. You can catch Alex Hooper on there uh, in the next round live shows coming up. Um, his uh, his comedy album Hugs, Drugs, and Pugs is available on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, you can catch him tightrope walking in L.A. parks. If you happen to be in a park, look out for someone walking on a tightrope. Or what is it called? I'm saying it wrong. What is it? Slackline. Slackline. Sorry. Not tightrope. Slackline. It's all good. It's, it's basically the same thing. And check out his, uh, his uh, yoga pug calendar. Where can they get that? Um, we don't sell it anymore okay. um, just because it's such a, it was such a seasonal item. Like it's hard to sell right. a calendar in August, you know. So, right. no, uh, yeah, but yeah. you can look at. You can look at the photos. They're like on. If you type in Pug Yoga, you'll find some of the photos online and stuff like that. It's a vintage calendar now. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, Alex, you really uh, put yourself out there today. And uh, I think there's only one thing left for you to do. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name's Alex Hooper, and I'm an asshole and proud of it. There you go, folks. Alex Hooper, and he's an asshole. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for coming on today. Um, I, I appreciate it. was a pleasure, it. man. And um, best of luck with AGT. Uh, we're going to watch that. And, uh, of course, don't forget to vote for him, folks. you got to dial the number and however that works. Yes. Right? I need people. I know. I'm I feel like a lot of people watch, and then they don't always vote, right? So you got to right. vote. And especially – and that crowd doesn't like me very much. So right. I really need people to vote for Yeah, me exactly. So, so make sure you actually – Call the number on AGT and vote for Alex Hooper this this year. So he he needs to win. We want to see him Damn win straight. and uh, become a, a huge millionaire off of this show. All right, Yay. Alex, thanks for being on. Um, I will talk to you soon. Uh, this has been uh, I'm an asshole with Doug Bass. Remember, folks, don't be an asshole. But if you are, talk about it. Bye. You've been listening to I'm an asshole with Doug Bass. Please subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. Follow Doug on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Doug Bass Comedy. Thank you for listening. And remember, don't be an asshole. But if you are, talk about it. Have a good asshole story? Email us at Doug at DougBassComedy.com. We'll see you next time.